What's up, everyone? Welcome to Como La Flor con Flor. This is your girl, Flor. And I want to give a shout out to my girl, Megan, from The Fitness Files. If you haven't been listening to her podcast lately regarding all things fitness, the good, the bad, the ugly, I highly recommend, highly, highly recommend. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. I appreciate you, Megan, for holding me accountable. Your girl's been on a struggle bus, <laughs> but here we are. So I did try to record a segment yesterday, but I was not vibing with it halfway, so I just fucking deleted it and chucked it out. But I it was bothering me for a little bit because I know I said I would do weekly, at least try to do weekly, and I know just I couldn't figure out what to talk about like there are a lot of topics I have listed that I want to cover but I don't want to cover them just for the sake of covering them I try to make sure that what I'm talking about I am vibing with in that moment so it's as organic as possible and I was just not vibing with shit but I did go to the Bears game yesterday and we're not going to talk about the game but it, while we were at the game, they dedicated that game to breast cancer awareness. So there's this whole campaign. They're calling it Crucial Catch. I don't know if it's specifically for the Bears or it's fits for the NFL in general. But it reminded me that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And it got me in my feels a little bit. And then it also got me thinking about other things. But... So I've talked a little bit about my mom and I feel like the vast majority of shit hasn't really been good stuff. My mom is not an evil human being, y'all. It's, you know, people have their moments, they have their traumas that they are working through and unfortunately my mom didn't realize how abusive she was until she her own breast cancer so in between the time of me completing my associate's degree at daily college and deciding to go back to NIU my mom was getting her annual mammograms done and there was one day where I didn't know I mean I guess I don't think she told any of us I didn't know that she had felt something, I guess, a few weeks after the mammogram or a few months after the mammogram. I think it was a month or something. And she had gone to the doctor to get it checked out. So there was a day where everyone was kind of like, it was just a very weird vibe at my parents' house. Super somber, like everyone on edge. Mind you, at my parents' house, it was always like 10, 12 of us because, I mean, it with my sisters it's four of us my parents that's six my aunt and then um my my goddaughter my goddaughter my god sister used to live with us too so it just felt like there was always high frequency in that house everyone was always in and out busy we had practices all kinds of stuff soccer games swim meets karate tournaments all kinds of shit going on all the time and this one day there was nothing 
and everyone was just like on edge. I remember my mom asking me to go pick up my god sister and I know she, I knew she was waiting for a phone call from the doctor to hear if whatever lump she had found was benign or if there was something to worry about and something inside me my intuition knew that the minute I walked out of that house things were not going to be the same I got in the car I was freaking the fuck out and I I literally told myself Lord when you come back home mentally prepare yourself because you are not going to come back home to any good news picked up my god sister we come back everyone's in the basement and I just remember walking downstairs to the basement and my dad has this look on his face like just like it was this look that I had never seen before from him of like help me I don't know what the fuck to do complete helplessness and my mom sits us all down and tells us that They had told her that she has breast cancer, and I think it was like stage two or something. Mind you, my mom was not born here. So stage two might not sound like a big-ass deal, or this might be super normal for everyone at this point, but this was back in like 2010, 2011, and... Again, I'm first generation, so all the things that had to do with legal policies, like life insurance policies, just regular insurance, car insurance policies, paying bills, parent-teacher conferences, doctor's appointments, all that stuff, I would go with my mom or, or my sister, one of my sisters would go with her to translate for her, and even then... Those of us that speak perfect English, y'all fucking know that when you go to the doctor, it is still not really English. Like, you still need a dictionary in that bitch because the jargon is just out of this world. So, I sit down. She's telling us that she's got stage two. And she's, you know, trying to... I can tell she's trying to keep it together, which I was like, damn, bro. Like, if you want to fall apart, fall apart. Like... Yeah, the rest of us are scared, but this is something that's going on in your body, you know? So she's like, you know, I'm going to move forward, follow the doctor's orders. I'm going to do the... I think she did... I forgot what... I think she did radiation first, and then she did chemo. And my dad just kept giving me this look like, like, what are you going to do about it? And... I mean, no words were exchanged between me and him, but we were just kind of like looking at each other. I'm like, bro, what do you want me to do? Like, I can't do anything about it. And it's just, it was just like this innate feeling to kind of take control of the situation and help as much as possible. And I don't know about anyone that's listening that maybe has college education, but do y'all feel like your parents expect for you to know everything because you got a degree? And I'm like, bro, my associate's degree at that point was in arts. Like, all the associate's degree is, is that it tells you that I passed all of my high school shit. Because gen eds are just that. You're redoing math, you're redoing science, and you're redoing English. 
So, yeah, like I know how to read, I know how to write, I knew how to conduct a speech, I know a little bit of algebra and shit, but like I don't know enough biology to go and help my mom fight cancer, you know? So it was just a very weird moment. And my mom and I, our relationship when I was little was not all that great. She was very abusive. She didn't realize she was abusive at the time. I, as a kid, I could tell when she was going from reprimanding to completely using me as, as her tool to release stress or release anger and part of the reason why I had to go to therapy for subjugation was also because it's like my ass was getting hit and then she'd be like why are you crying stop crying I'm gonna really make you cry and it's like bro I'm crying because this shit hurts you know like you're hitting me with a belt you're hitting me with a spatula or one time she hit me with a VHS tape and I felt like one of those kids that was, you know, getting abused all the time because I ended up having to wear a long sleeve shirt to school the next day to make sure that my teachers weren't going to ask me shit about it. I was continuously pr- uh, protecting my mom because I didn't want to want to call her because I knew that she loved me. It's just that something inside her was going on and it was unfortunate that I had to be around for her to let her anger out and I'm not saying I was a perfect child I mean I don't think the perfect kid exists part of being a child is you playing you leaning into curiosity and just being an organic human being you fuck shit up you make mistakes but my mom having all these kids and dealing with the house and with bills and I don't know how her relationship was with my dad at the time because if they were fighting like I rarely knew when they were fighting I don't know like I I all I can say is that at 32 I cannot imagine having four kids and being at home tending to them cooking and cleaning paying bills with my man's money and feeling okay with all that like all of that in itself just feels really fucking overwhelming I remember over time my mom had tried you know going to yoga not yoga yoga wasn't even a thing back then I think but aerobics she she tried going to aerobics she had tried walking like doing a lot of other things to kind of get her out of the house but it honestly like as her kid like we took up so much time we took up a lot of her time so I can tell that she was frustrated And yes, she should not have let her anger out on me, but that's just what happened. And I forgive her for that at that at this time. You know, I'm I'm over it. I forgive her for it. That's why I can talk about it without getting emotional. But I just want to set the premise that our relationship at that time was still like getting into a loving relationship. After I got kicked out of NIU and my relationship with my dad was shit, my mom was the one that was looking out for me. She would tell me, like, Miha, like, your dad not letting you eat at the table with us is fucked up. I'm going to talk to him. 
And I knew that if she tried to talk to him, it was going to end up being a whole argument. But I appreciated that she was looking out for me. And yeah, you know, it's like, that's your parents' job to protect you, you know. But, you know, human beings are human beings. Regardless of what label or what role they play in your life, that individual is a human being. And for them to risk getting into an argument and getting stressed over it or hindering the relationship they have with that other person to look out for you to me that's dope like I appreciate that I don't care what role you're playing in my life so when she started doing that I was like okay you know like you know this relationship is gonna get better a couple years before that she had already apologized to my sister and I for being physically and verbally abusive. And at the time, I was like, you know, mom, don't worry about it. Because I just felt weird that she was apologizing to me. You know, and with Latinos, your parents are not going to apologize to you. That's just not a thing. So I just, I kind of said, oh, it's okay, mom, don't worry about it. But I think it was more so for me to just end the conversation because I felt uncomfortable. And at the time, I couldn't name why I was feeling uncomfortable. And it was just that, that in my head, it felt wrong that my parent was apologizing to me. Now, with so many years of schooling in youth development and whatnot like I know this is a normal thing but like I said in Latino culture this is not and even though I had said it was cool like don't worry about it and I even reassured her and said like look look at all the good things that I'm doing I still don't think I had fully forgiven her for it just yet I just didn't want to deal with it it was just something that I suppressed all the way in like the darkest deepest parts of my brain and my being that I just didn't want to think about anymore I didn't want to touch the subject I just wanted to move forward but after I needed some sort of excuse me parental support when I got kicked out and and my dad wasn't there for me and she was basically filling in the void I was like okay a lot of these like feelings of fear that I had for her and hurt started resurfacing and I was like Flood why are you still feeling like this like she had apologized to you already this is not the same person that was beating the fuck out of you years ago anymore and I just had to have this moment with myself to recognize that people can change they can evolve only if they want to and I think part of it too was this fear that I could lose my mom to breast cancer so I mean we had all heard about breast cancer there were all these walks and stuff and honestly to me it was like a white people thing because all you see in the marketing at the time was white women walking around with all these like hot pink shirts and the ribbons and that was it but now that it was happening in my home to my mom I had to start looking shit up and when she would go to her appointments I would read through the paperwork 
I found some YouTube videos where they were explaining the different stages and for her stage specifically what was going on, what could be done, the symptoms and all that. And I even told my mom that I was thinking about not going to NIU after all and just staying home to work so that I could help her and go to her appointments and, you know, financially support her and my dad since these medical bills. I was assuming because I don't, at the time, I didn't know shit about insurance. Like I knew it was a thing, but I also knew that my parents always had medical bills after insurance because I don't fucking know. Like I just didn't get it. Now that I am on the paying end, I understand. But in that moment, I just wanted to be of some sort of help. And I remember her saying, Mija, absolutely not. You need to go back to school. And she said, if you were to stay home and just work, just to take care of me, I will never forgive myself. It'll make me feel better and give me strength knowing that you are out there getting your degree that I couldn't get. So it was hard. It was rough. But I went back. And luckily... My mom still had a support group here. She still had my dad. She had my brother. She had my sisters, my aunt that helped her out. So she got through it. She got through it. And it was the weirdest thing because I decided to pledge for my sorority that same term that I went back. And the day that she was basically done with her last chemo, I think a couple days after that is when I crossed into my sorority. So I remember when I got the phone call and she was like, oh, mija, like they they rang the bell for me and they threw confetti and she was so happy. And I was like, wow, like I can't believe. The first thing that came to my mind was like, I can't believe that you and I get a second chance to create this mother-daughter relationship that we should have had from the get. And when I have conversations with my mom, like she'll tell me even to this day, you know, oh, like so-and-so has breast cancer or like one of the ladies at work has breast cancer or whatever. And we kind of reminisce on her whole process with fighting this cancer she always goes she always reminds me of what I had told her when she was going through it where she was first diagnosed and I had totally forgot about it so she said that she always remembers that I had told her ma at least this is something that is growing and not something that you're lacking at least they could go in and cut out as much as possible and try to burn out the rest whereas if you had a different illness where it was a deficiency I feel like it would be harder for you to fight it so I don't know like now that I'm saying I'm like I don't know how I would react to that being on the receiving end but I was trying my best in my little 20 something year old brain of mine with lack of knowledge on the subject But in my head, I was like, okay, this is something that was basically like tacked on to her. We can cut it out. Cut it out. Continue fighting to cut out as much more as possible. And then just pray that it never comes back. 
And that's something that she uses with people that come and tell her too that that are scared. And the vast majority are Latinas. That's the neighborhood that my parents still live in. And I'm a big believer that things happen for a reason. I will say that the woman that my mom is since then, since she fought and won the cancer, this is not the same woman that I had as a mom growing up. They are literally night and day. My mom, when I was growing up, she I, she would smoke, she would drink, and yeah, she would dance and she would clean, but she was always, I, I remember her always being angry. She was always angry, all the time, yelling, mad, talking all kinds of shit. Like the things that would come out of this woman's mouth were just like, bro, who hurt you so bad that you have to be this upset all the time? And since she got cancer, fought through it and has moved on she does not touch a cigarette whatsoever if you see her drink it's like a beer or two and it's not out of anger she's like literally enjoying the moment with my sisters and I with my dad or with my grandma when we're over there she's laughing and she's so loving she's very nurturing and I rarely see her upset like I mean, I'm not going to say she's never mad. She she does get mad, but she doesn't get manic like she used to. She doesn't get irate. And she still yells sometimes, but I feel like it's not this, like, hateful, psychotic yelling that she used to do. So this whole, the whole game yesterday, and I saw the big ribbon, I thought about it, and I was like, damn. Like, I can't believe my mom had that, fought it, and is continuously beating it. Because the thing with cancer, y'all, is that, from what I've learned from my mom, is that, yeah, they cut it out and they say that you're good to go, but that shit is lingering all the time. That fear of it returning is there all the fucking time. My mom is at the doctor's office all the time because anything that feels off, she feels like it's her cancer coming back. And for some people, it has came back. There have been people that fight it, beat it, fight it again, and they beat it, and then they fight it, and they beat it. There's people that fight it, beat it, and then fight, and they lose. And then there's people that they try to fight it, and they lose. And I don't know what the biggest differences are. I feel like it's... Like I said, things happen for a reason. My mom, she got it. All these people around her have been getting it since then. And because she's been beating it, she's able to be a support person for them. And give them that hope that it can go away. Give them that hope that they can fight it and beat it. And they could, you know, be a different person. Or maybe there's a lesson in this because... Like I said, my mom is a completely different person now. I don't know what maybe I should ask her. Like, did you learn anything from this experience? I know on the health side, she's talked about, you know, I learned that what I put into my body can manifest into something else. So she tries to be a little healthier. She's logged into my Zumba classes that I had remote when the the pandemic was thriving. She tries to walk. 
stuff like that. She does, like I said, she doesn't really drink. She doesn't smoke anymore. But I wonder if there was another lesson, a deeper, more like existential lesson that she doesn't want to talk about. Or maybe she does. Maybe I should just ask her. But this whole personality transformation is just wild. While I was at the game and I saw the ribbon and I was looking at the screens and they were marketing the the walk or whatever, I guess like the Avon walk, I guess it's still a thing or whatever. And again, it's a bunch of white women that I see wearing the pink and the ribbons and whatnot. And I'm just sitting there like, my mom fought and has won, but I don't see her being like this proud, I guess, survivor wearing all this pink shit and the ribbons and whatnot. And then it got me into thinking about how sometimes we use our survivorship for attention. Like it just got kind of, I don't know, I went into this rabbit hole. And if you get offended, we could talk about it because I was like, cool, like I get it. You fought it. It was a horrible, scary thing. You could have died. But I see my mom and she is proud for beating it, but she's also very humble about it. Like, she doesn't walk around with all this pink stuff telling people like, hey, look at me, I won. Like, she's she's super humble about it. If someone comes to her because they know that she had it and she won, they're coming to her because they're scared. They're scared of what's coming next. They're, they don't understand the words that the doctor's saying. They don't know how to tell their kids. Maybe their husband doesn't know how to support, right? So it's this very vulnerable moment that these vulnerable conversations that she's having with these women. And when I'm seeing these other women with a bunch of peak shit, super vibrant, laughing and whatnot, I'm just like, at what point does this turn into like a proud thing from a proud thing that I won and I'm a survivor to I'm going to get as much attention and make as much money as possible for this. Like it's going from being supportive to being performative. And maybe it's like a cultural difference thing, but it just felt weird, y'all. Like it just felt weird. Maybe it was because I didn't see no Latinas up on the screen. I don't know. But even then, I'm just like, if I were to see a Latina on the screen like that, I'd be thinking in my head, that's probably some third generation Latina that has been born here for whatever long time. Their mama was born here and this is normal. I do not see my mom going up there. And I grabbed a ribbon yesterday for my mom, but you didn't see me with no pink hat or a pink jersey or any of that. And I don't go out of my way to buy that stuff. If I'm going to financially support a cause, it's literally directly to that person. I'm not going to go pay for a fucking foundation. I'm not going to do that. Because again, the foundations are targeting more so 
the elite. The people that actually need the education in their language and probably the financial resources are nowhere near the Avon Walk or where these screens and the billboards are showing these people from the Breast Cancer Association or whatever. So until I see that there is a smaller, more grassroots group that is focusing on the minoritized population to educate them on this and and provide that hope, like, no, I'm not going to fucking wear this pink stuff or go to the Avon walk. Like, it's just not a thing. I will go on a walk for my people, but not for the masses. Like, (laughs) y'all don't need my support. There's thousands of y'all already doing it, you know? So it just felt very performative for me on that end. And it, it irked me because I saw my mom struggle. I saw how she felt insecure about her relationship because of the chemo. Her hair was falling out. Granted, my dad ended up shaving his own hair so that my mom didn't feel like she was alone on this. And we did go with her to cut her hair shorter before her hair started falling out but I do remember that my dad would tell me go check on your mom because she's brushing her hair and her hair had already started falling out so I would go and I would pick up the pieces of the chunks of hair it was chunks y'all like chunks of hair and I would tell her like hey don't worry about it like the shit will grow back you'll be good you'll be all right and her taste buds had changed which this one is a funny one cook now I could not cook for the life of me back then and I had came back one weekend when I was already at NIU and I wanted some macaroni and cheese but I wanted to add some bell peppers to it so I made the mac and cheese out of a box and then I sauteed the peppers and I mixed it all together my mom comes in the kitchen and she would be in these moods because I mean think about it you're fucking starving but you're throwing everything up and nothing tastes the way that it should so she comes in in her mood and I'm like hey ma how are you feeling and she's like I'm fucking hungry what are you making I told her I'm like I'm making mac and cheese with bell peppers and in my head I'm like I know you're asking gonna eat it because I can't cook for shit you don't like anything that I make but it's okay so she smelled it she looked at it and then she's like a ver dame un poquito and I was like what so I grabbed the tiniest little bowl and I put like a little scoop in there just enough for her to try with the the bell peppers and the cheese um and the macaroni and cheese and then she takes a few bites and she's like this is good and I'm like oh shit okay so then you know I go off week goes on literally probably like Wednesday I get a call from my aunt and my aunt's like mija I never thought I would have to call you for this and I'm like what she's like I never thought I'd have to call you for a recipe and I started dying laughing I'm like me neither Thea what's up So she's like, your mom said that you made a macaroni and cheese with bell peppers. Can you tell me how you made that? Because that's all she wants to eat now. And she's like, I know it's not that healthy, but I'd rather her eat that than eat nothing because she doesn't want to eat a damn thing. And I was like, wow. 
I'm like, the irony in this situation is just insane. So I gave her the recipe and that's what she ate. So that was one of the funny moments. But my mom did, does show a lot of appreciation for, I believe she was at Christ Hospital. Um, they did have some grassroots organizations come in and they would bring wigs. She refused to wear a wig. She just had her head wrapped the whole time. She just wore wraps. Um, but they did like her makeup and they would paint her nails and she tried on the wigs. She, I think she kept one, but she didn't use it ever. And we never made her feel uncomfortable about it. She wrapped her hair or her head and that's how we would see her. I actually have a picture with her like that. <clears throat> but since then, she's been good, but that anxiety of it coming back just never goes away. And that's just something that I continuously tell her that it's valid. It's valid for her to be scared because you weren't expecting to get it the first time, you know? And you hear about people getting it over and over and over again. You do get scared that even though you're doing all the things right, that the shit's going to come back. So... My takeaways, if anything... For you all is give your try to give your parents a chance depending on your situation right like if it's you only know how much you can take and i'm not telling you to subjugate your feelings either keep your feelings they're valid but if you feel like there is a sliver of hope that maybe your parents were not mature enough to have another life to take care of at the moment and that's why they were behaving that way or you feel like they loved you the best way they could and there's a chance or you see them working towards building a relationship with you it's okay for you to be scared and it's okay for you to also be open to the possibility that maybe you can build something healthier with them people can change if they want to and with our parents I feel like because we were born and they were the first faces we saw you know we're animals at the end of the day that's all we are obviously we needed them to survive and we saw to them for protection and for love and for learning how to maneuver the world but we weren't born with a manual. Like we didn't come out the womb with a little book like, hey, my name is Flor. I am going to be very anxious and depressed and love music. And I'm going to need a little more attention than you think. Give me some hugs. No, like that is not, that that is not what happened. Like I didn't come out with a little book or saying like, hey, please don't yell at me. Like I'd rather you hit me than yell at me because your words hurt. So I feel like our parents just raise us the way that they were raised because they don't know anything else, especially if they didn't go to school and study psychology. And even therapists that have kids have issues with their fucking kids because we're not born with a manual. And when you're a child, when you're a baby, you don't know how to talk. You don't know how to say that things hurt. 
And as you're learning words and you're learning behaviors, if you're not taught to say, hey, well, you said hurt my feelings, those literal words are not going to come out of your mouth. You're going to try to convey that message in other ways. Maybe by giving someone the cold shoulder, maybe by isolating yourself, or maybe by being a complete asshole and yelling at your parents back and hoping that they give you some fucking attention. But the words of give me attention or I need a hug or I love you or your words hurt my feelings. If you don't teach your kids how to say those things comfortably since they're little, they're not going to say them as an adult. They're not going to say them as an adult. I hear my fiance every time he hangs up before he hangs up the phone with his family. He says, I love you. And that warms my heart because I don't say that to my parents. That was not a thing for us to say at all. We barely hug. When I lived at the house, we didn't hug unless it was Christmas and New Year. And now we hug when I when I go visit and I leave or my parents come visit me and they leave. But other than that, like we don't we're not affectionate physically or verbally. We're actually very aggressive verbally. Like, we make fun of each other a lot. And that's how, supposedly, we show love. But more conversations on that on a newer segment. I appreciate you all for listening, my metiches. And just, if anything, give each other grace. Because you don't know the battle that people are fighting. Whether it's internally within themselves or maybe they're trying to support someone battling something that could potentially be life or death i'll see y'all next time make sure you follow me on the socials llc.ee consulting esperanza equity consulting gracias Welcome to Como La Flor Con Flor. If you love listening to this podcast as much as I love making it, please consider dropping a little donation. And if you ain't got the funds, that's cool. I would really appreciate it if you could share this podcast with a friend, a family, a fellow metiche, you know, one of them folks, or anyone that you think would resonate with the content that I've been creating. Saludos, se me cuidan y se lo lavan.